You are listening to Heavenly Warriors, the podcast for anyone who wants to learn the deeper, supernatural truths not taught in most mainstream churches. Your hosts are best-selling author and guests on shows like The History Channel and Coast to Coast AM, Dr. Joy Jeffries Pugh, and me, a former atheist cop turned exorcist and author. This podcast is brought to you by my newest book, Boxing Blindfolded with Demons, which can be found at rickbellwriting.com, R-I-C-K-B-E-L-L-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com, and by Dr. Joy Jeffrey Pugh's newest book, Beastmark, which you can find at drjoy.com, that's D-R-J-O-Y-E.com. Whether you believe in the devil and demons or not doesn't matter to them. In fact, demons prefer you don't believe, so you'll never know what's hitting you when they attack. The truth is, we have invisible enemies who want to rob us, attack our families with sickness and addictions, and cause us to struggle financially. We want to help you become a stronger and smarter heavenly warrior. Dr. Joy, it is so good to see you. We've missed a couple of weeks, and boy, it's just things don't go well when we're missing doing these shows. It's like we have this mandate to do this. One of the things that I love so much about having this time with you and being able to visit is one of my pet peeves about podcasts when I listen is if they spend too much time chit-chatting and they really don't get to the point of what the whole thing is about— I, I, I start fast-forwarding because I want to get to the meat. You know, it's like we, we are all short on time. It's an emergency situation. I've got to hear what God's got to say. The good thing about with you is we, good or bad, we tend to get right into the meat of what we're talking about because usually our lives have been so colorful the previous week or two that it brings fodder for this show and none of it's made up. We don't get together ever, and you know this, but I'm for the listener's sake, we never get together and compare notes and say, okay, I'm going to say this, then you say that. Then we're going to talk about what we just get on this call, and we'll communicate sometimes you know, through the weeks when we're not doing this. But it's, it's very brief because we know what's going on with each other. It, it's, it's that thing when you're in the spirit, you you know when you've called into a ministry partnership with someone, when you're getting hammered, you tend to know the other person in the ministry is getting hammered. It, it kind of comes as an attack on the ministry, and they come at you individually to try to get to the weakest link where you can get discouraged and stop doing this work. So each week we have, we have a little kind of a—it's comical because we know God is— He's the reason we're doing. Here's the reason I'm still breathing, okay? Enough to be having this microphone in front of me. It's all God. He's done all this stuff. He's provided everything for me, as he will for you. Now, finding that flow to get in it is is not as easy as it sounds. We will take I'm speaking to myself. We will take many detours to get to where God is trying to get us to in the first place. And it would have been so much easier if we had have just gone there to start with. Now, 
Dr. Joy had um, a birthday, and I'll say happy birthday to her. Belated, it was yesterday. Thank you. So I would ask you, Doctor, and I, we, again, we haven't discussed any of this. If you could go back to your 21-year-old self and impart wisdom that you've learned over these years, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the same thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna open it up with myself, and then I want you to respond. If I could go back and talk to the 21-year-old Rick, I was an atheist until I was 21, and then I had a Road to Damascus experience we've spoken about. It's in my book, Boxing Blindfolded with Demons. When I went from being an atheist to being a tongue-talking, charismatic Christian, I didn't even know what that was. I was raised Catholic, but that happened to me at 21. But if I could go back what I've learned through the years, this is what I would say to myself. Just three things. We'll just do three things. The first one would be try to pay attention to who God has really called you to be. Don't try to be something that someone else wants you to be. You may be able to do it for a season or a little while, but you'll never be happy, and you'll always strive for that. That will that will never work out. So find out who you are, the unique person God has called you to be. Number two, I would say to myself, don't go running down religious rabbit trails. There are so many denominations and ideas and philosophies in the world that you can spend your whole lifetime trying to find out which one is going to be right. And in at the end, it's going to be a bunch of man-made doctrines that some of them are closer to the truth than the others. I had a, a professor in the police academy tell me he was a real interesting fellow. His name was Reynolds Umber, and he told us all one time, he said, you know, as far as churches, he said, I've tried them all. None of them work. He said, I've been the Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopal. He named about 15 of them. He said, I've tried them all, trying to find one that works. And they're all the same. None of it really works. Well, he had a point there because the church doesn't work. The person in you, the Holy Spirit in you is what works. So that's the second thing I'd say is, is don't... Um, don't put too much stock in religion and what man says or what the preacher says or what this TV preacher says because there's flip the channel, there'll be another TV preacher saying something opposite. Search the scriptures yourself and learn that. And the final thing I would say to myself, don't take yourself too seriously as far as your ego. You're going to have mountain experiences and you're going to have valley, bad valley experiences. Always try to understand you're on this earth for a purpose, and that purpose is ultimately to grow, grow closer to God, to strengthen your understanding of who He is and who you are in Him, and to minister to the people He has put in your path. Don't go chasing after every demon behind every tree. The Lord will put in your path what He wants you to do. And keep your ego in check. That was coming from the music career that I had. If you start having success on a stage with music, and I was fortunate, you know, I was blessed to be able to have some very, very good years doing some super big shows in the music business and being in that, it can start to <clears throat> swell your ego. And, and that is poison to you. Your ego is like a cancer. 
and I'm telling you this because Dr. Joy and I are about the same age. That's, that's why I'm sharing these things. I would tell myself, keep your ego in check. Keep the lows and the highs to even out as best you can, uh, and your, your life will go much smoother. Don't take yourself seriously, and don't ever start believing your great press clips, and don't believe the bad things people say about you either because that can wreck you. Dr. Joy, what would you say if you could go back? What's some of the wisdom you'd give your 21-year-old? Your I would definitely, I think the number one thing is not have fear. I think that fear was my worst enemy growing up. I had been a sick child. I'd had some really serious sickness and I had a lot of fear. And so getting away and, and pursuing dreams was limited to where I had to be at that particular time. I think if I had learned a little bit more about um, what I know now, and that is how we are spirit, body, and physical body, and that when we die, we don't go out and we lay in a grave and wait for God to come back, you know, in thousands of years. Unfortunately, that was what was taught a little bit back when I was a young person. And so, you know, the fear of getting away and something happening and not being where someone could help you, it was very fearful for me. And I think that that probably is what stunted my ability to climb higher in some of the pursuits that I actually loved and could have done probably very well had I not been limited by fear. I, I, I wish that I had known that um, and understood because I, I was in church the first week that I was born and actually joined the church and, and gave my life to Christ. Probably, I actually probably did it when I was six years old, but actually doing it in a church and, and, and going to the front and, and telling a pastor that I wanted to have Jesus in my life and, of course, was given the fellowship hand of fellowship to, to join the church at 11 years old. So, you know, now I've been a, a Christian for 50 some 56 years, I guess it is now. So um, it, it's kind of one of those crazy um, things that if I could go back, if I could change one thing, I would change fear. Fear mm. limited my ability to do some things that I think that I was very capable of doing. And one of them uh, being probably either a, uh, a brain surgeon or a psychiatrist, because I, mm. you know, really had uh, at that particular time encountered in human biology a professor who begged me because I was able to do a lot of things with uh, cutting animals and, right. and splicing out right. uh, really finite things like capillaries and veins and surgical being able skills. To, yeah. I, had, I had surgical skills mm -hmm. and he stood in the front of the classroom and actually got down on his hands and knees and grabbed my hands. And he says, I have seen the hands of surgeons before and you have the hands of oh, surgeons. I cannot God. believe that you want to be, you know, just, a teacher. Right, I mean, he, he really, right. he, he was, he was begging. It's a gift. It is a it, gift. It was, a, it was a gift. And he mm -hmm. saw that in me. Um, and I knew that it would mean me going off to medical school could be a long way away from home. Yeah. It meant if I wanted to pursue psychiatry, that you had to have that undergraduate study right. of medicine right. and then move into that. But fear kept me from doing that. I mean, I'll be very honest with you yes. that yes. fear was the main culprit and me not being able to do that. It was not that I could not do it. 
Rick, I could have done all of that because and the work that I've done over the years, the medical field is probably the easiest thing. A lot of people, even though my doctorate is not in medicine, because of the things and the people that I've looked after all of my life, I pretty much have learned. Mm -hmm. Somebody said I could put up a sign and, and, and people would believe it because of my background. I mean, I actually had so much hands on experience. And then because of my uh, work with psychology and my uh, upper uh, degrees, you know, this, this stuff with demonic activity, and, and I have so many questions because I had hands-on experience with schizophrenics and all this kind of thing. What yeah. it would have been a lovely experience for me to have had that extra knowledge of being able to hypnotize someone in clinical settings over and over again and get data at the same time to being able to be aware what the medical establishment is missing, and that is that these entities, these uh, spiritual beings, are actually manifesting in, inside of people, just yeah. like Scripture tells us. So I, w- I would have had a little bit more of a hands-on approach, and 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 that would have been wonderful. But, you know, it's kind of like I saw a movie one time, and it said you could change one thing. If you change one thing, it changes your entire life, and it never ends right. up being the same. So I can't say that you know, not having the fear would have led me to do those things. But I'm just saying that it kept me from pursuing something a long way from home. And um, I think that that would have gotten me out and about and further away. But then at the same time, I know that God planned what he did for me to be doing what I do now and how I touch people worldwide. That's right. Where if I had been a doctor in a hospital working 24-7, because that's what doctors that's did right. back in the days when I was would have been in, in, right. in, in college and, and, and be, becoming a doctor or a psychiatrist, you would have been so locked down yep. that maybe my studies would not have been so significant in the fields well, no of there's biblical no way. scripture. There's that, no way you could have written the books you, you wrote if you had a medical practice. That right. is, and all, people don't understand, that's an all-consuming Career. Profession, it is. It, it, and, it and, is. But, but the thing that I would say that limited me across the board, even in athletics, because I was very good athletic, I was very good in music, uh, I had other opportunities that I could have done other things, but it would have required going away. Right. And you, you were know, afraid of that. Pursuing it somewhere else. And fear. I could not do that. I was too limited by fear. Yeah. And I, I felt like I had to have that kind of security that hometown people, yes. home, you know, family, friends provided for me. Yeah, yeah. But had I not had that, and I know what I know now, the sky would have been the limit, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, there could right. have been a lot of pursuits. Um, but I, I always believe that uh, in our life that God has a plan. And I can look back and see how all the little things happened to get me to where I am today. Absolutely. And, and I'm thankful because I feel like what we do in trying to make people be aware that these forces are very real mm-hmm. around us. But God can take things that are bad. He did that in my life. He took things that I had to go through that were bad in my life that I now am able to understand if somebody comes to me and tells me different situations that they're dealing with most of the time rick i either i have experienced it some of my family experienced it or i have done case studies with people who experienced it or i have done research on it so there's very few things that someone could come and say dr joy 
I've got this going on or this happened. How would, how would you deal with it? Have you ever had this experience before? So I know that he has, God has prepared me to do what I do now for him. And I'm, I'm so thankful. I just feel like, you know, I know being the age we are, the limitations as time goes forward, that there becomes less and less opportunity because of the fact that the, our physical capability can't right. keep up. It's not that our minds don't right. want to do it. I mean, if I could still go out and water ski the mm-hmm. gas out of a boat without coming in, <laughs> I would still be doing that. Yeah, same here. It's a little harder these days, honestly. <laughs> right, and and, and, uh, and, yeah. and you don't move around as fast. You don't no. think quite as fast. No. There, there's little things that, that change over time, but I would just say that in all of our lives, it's like you mentioned, things that happen to us as young people. Yes. We, we think, it, oh, bad luck poor choices, bad circumstances, oh, poor me, when so many times we don't realize that it is a an attack from demons, mm-hmm. evil spirits, unclean spirits, principalities, rulers of the darkness, because what those things are here for is really to hinder us, disrupt us, and even destroy. I mean, it can lead people to feel no hope and then they commit suicide. So... Um, I can honestly say that now that I know all of that, I can look back in my life and think, boy, Satan was really after me trying to keep me from taking those bigger steps to learn this. And thank goodness that, you know, it seems like instead of me falling over things, instead of seeing it in my life as stumbling blocks, God took those things that Satan, I think, was trying to make me fall over by being sick and all, and a lot of people would have given up. That's right. You know, they would have just said, look, I can't deal with this. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness that I had a father that always taught me to never quit. And I think that thing, that one thing made me get up when I was so sick one time that I didn't, I really didn't think I was going to live. So the fact that I did not quit, it seems like God has taken some of those stumbling blocks and made them into stepping stones. And I would tell people, if you get past it and you can look back at it and you just keep staying at it and and keep that mindset that God has a plan and a purpose that you can look back one day and you will understand that path. You know, when I was going through those things, Rick, and those terrible things were happening in my life and I was not well and it just seemed like it would be one thing after the next. And after a while, your body becomes fatigued from being sickly and then having things happen. And then all of a sudden, you just feel like, I, I could just give up on this. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's what sends a lot of people into a you know, suicide situation. Thank goodness I was born and raised. And like I say, I knew about Jesus and felt like that even though everything was what felt like rock bottom in a lot of different situations that I did still have hope. Mm-hmm. And I think hope has kept that alive that maybe tomorrow will be a better day. And scripture teaches that, you know, you're crying will turn to joy in the morning. I mean, there, there's all kinds of scriptures. And if you can learn to use scriptures, but when we're young, we're just learning about the Bible too. We don't have the years that we, that you and I have had to be able to read scripture and apply it to our lives. And so for people who are listening that are, are younger than Rick and I, uh, you know, get into the word and try to, even if you just read Psalms or Proverbs or something that will just stick to you 
that when you get in those really difficult situations, when everything just feels like the world's crashing around you, that you can just pull, even if it's just one scripture, Rick, that you can hang on to mm-hmm. and, and, and just hang on to it, that you will get past those things. And sometimes it is bad. I mean, we live in a fallen world. And that's the thing that we forget. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. And I think that was the hardest thing for me to deal with is that I always felt like I was trying to do good. And it seemed like I kept getting like you're talking about boxing with blindfolded with demons because you're in the ring. You're standing up. You're being strong. You're trying to do the right thing. And then all of a sudden you get cold cocked in the side of your head and you never saw it coming. Mm -hmm. And after a while, that starts to hurt especially if you're doing wrong. Now, if I'm doing, I mean, doing right, if I'm doing wrong, then you kind of expect, I shouldn't have been doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're up riding down the mm-hmm. highway going 100 miles an hour, you want to see what your car is going to be able to do if it'll, it'll peel rubber in all four gears. And believe me, <laughs> I tried that. That you did. Um, but, you know, if you got stopped by the cop, yeah. you knew, hey, you I was going have been doing that. Yeah. I was doing wrong. Yeah, I can right. take I, whatever the punishment is. And usually it was either take your driver's license or make you pay a fine. Right. But the thing about it is you felt like I got caught doing something that I shouldn't have been doing. So therefore, I have a reason to be punished. But it's hard when you're a Christian. Really hard. And you are trying so hard to do it right. And you want to live like Christ. And you are still getting beat up by these forces, like your book says, that you can't see. And after studying all of this, especially in this Be Smart book that I just released, the frequency of that and how these things know you by your thoughts. Yeah. So it draws these things to you because you're vibrating at a frequency that they go, oh, you know, she's changed thought process now. Here's the time to hit her with something else. Right. And they literally feel that, Rick. And, and so... You know, it's a very serious situation. It is. And one of the things that is important to know, the Bible says, as you said, Satan will set traps for you. And he can see where if she when she steps in this, A is going to cause B to happen and B is going to cause C. And he's so excited he's going to do you in. Problem is, the Bible says the Lord will take what Satan intended for wrath, which means your destruction, And he will turn that, the Lord will turn it and cause it to praise him. He will turn it into a praise. So all of the things that you're going through, you're going through those things as the listeners out there, especially younger listeners, you're going through those, you're in training for your ministry. You say, well, I'm not a minister, I'm just a, a, I work at, you know, the hardware store, whatever. If you're listening to this, if you're interested at all in what we have to say, you, my friend, are a minister. You will minister to people at some point in your life, and you're training right now, just like Dr. Joy and I had to go through hell, H-E-L-L, to have the, the knowledge, the wisdom to be sitting here on this day, speaking into these microphones, sharing these things with you. We didn't make this stuff up like writing a novel last week. We lived these things. And the, the things we had to go through, the fear that Dr. Joy's talking about, she suffered, that is a spirit 
The Bible says, the Lord speaking, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Okay, that's what God gave us. The devil puts fear on us. I suffered from fear, paralyzing fear, from the time I was a child because I had a spirit of rejection on me. I was afraid of being rejected. Now, that takes all kinds of forms. First of all, I was adopted into a family um, through the Catholic Church at birth and a prearranged adoption. This is all in my book, Boxing Blindfolded with Demons. The people who adopted me had been married 13 years. They were good hometown, small, southern, business-owning people. They were alcoholics. They were what I... Uh, called Country Club Alcoholics. They lived a, a somewhat affluent lifestyle. My mother came from a somewhat wealthy family, but they drank. And because of that drinking, they raised us, my sister, who was adopted also, but we were not related, my sister and I, but we were, she's a year younger, raised in the same household in an absolutely abusive household. Now, were they nice people? They were great people, but alcohol changes and every night when you know they're home at 5.15 from their 5 o'clock business that would close, they'd come home. And by 5.20, they'd be buzzed up. And by five, uh, by 6 o'clock, they'd be drunk. And they would be passed out by 8. Now, when the, the drunkness happens, a lot of abuse, rejection and criticism and those things. I grew up in that. I was so paralyzed by fear. Let me. This is how God works. And he's working in some of your lives the same way. From the time I was a child, for whatever reason, now I know why, but for whatever reason, when I was a child, I had this burning desire to do two things. Number one, play music, play the guitar. It's all I wanted to do. And number two, I wanted to box. I wanted to be a boxer. Now, no one in my neighborhood wanted to be a boxer. Where did that come from? There was not a boxing gym in my whole town. I lived in a small town known as Marshall, Texas, which happens to be the hometown of Big George Foreman, the former heavyweight champion. But he moved away when he was young to Houston, Texas. It's where he was raised. But when he won the championship, he moved back to my hometown. But I was already in high school by then. George came and spoke to our high school class. He drove up in this car that was, I'm serious, it was, the front of it was a Rolls Royce. The middle of it was a Lincoln Continental, and the back of it was a Cadillac. It was three cars in one, and it was as long as, uh, you know, half a football field. And George was so proud of that thing, he came in, he was wearing a fur coat, because one of my, my English teacher was his teacher when he was growing up in school. And he came to our high school and spoke to a, you know, auditorium. So we're all in this assembly, and I'll never forget, it's my junior year in high school, and George Foreman stood there and said, you can be anything in this world you want to be if you work hard enough and you want it badly enough. Well, immediately, that lodged in my brain. So what I wanted to do was be a boxer. I didn't have the chance until I went to college and got into martial arts classes, and that was the closest thing to boxing I could find. But let me tell you, when I crossed over from martial arts into kickboxing and I became a boxer, I was so terrified of losing. I was literally terrified that I would run farther. I would work out harder. I would kick the bag more times. I would do more push-ups, more sit-ups than any opponent I ever met because I was so 
terrified of losing. You, you, you got to understand. But there was something in me. It was the Holy Spirit. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but the Lord was pushing me because he saw my future. He knew I would be on this podcast someday talking about boxing, blindfolded with demons, and have a career as a fighter that turned into a career as a deliverance exorcist minister. But I was driven to get in the ring even though I was literally paralyzed by fear. My first kickboxing fight, now I'd already been to the boxing gym and I'd taken some whoopings. When you're learning to box, you take some knots on your head. And I had many. My first kickboxing fight was against a very tough guy. And I got in there as doing the best I could. That guy hit me so hard that he literally knocked me out on my feet. I saw, heard these bells I'd never heard before. Boom. Literally in my head. But I was in such great shape and such so conditioned that when he hit me, I didn't go down. I started firing <coughs> punches and kicks, and I knocked him out. I knocked him out in the second round. But I was out on my feet. I didn't know where I was. I'm not exaggerating. I literally knocked the man out. I was a police officer at the time. That's what I did. That was my day job. And then I was a trained, you know, a full-time fighter at night. I woke up two days later in my police car. If you've ever had a concussion, you know what I'm talking about. When the concussion wears off, you have a wake-up moment where I'd been going through the motions, but I didn't remember any of it. I'm driving my police car on duty in the middle of the afternoon, and I wake up, and I go, what? The last thing I remember, I was in a ring fight. This sounds crazy, but I'm... Dr. Joy knows because she's a mental health professional. She understands. I had a concussion, and I was blacked out for two days. Although I was working as a cop and doing my job and functioning fine, I had no memory of it. When I woke up, it was like literally I'd been asleep, and I woke up. So that was my first fight. But I was so afraid to lose that I literally wouldn't lose because I would feel like such a failure. So that spirit of fear was driving me. So... When the devil puts something on you, God can flip it and can turn it. But here's what you have to do. You have to set your face like flint, the word says, and you have to decide in your heart, I'm going to press through. I'm not going to quit. I'll never quit. I used to have to run as a fighter, as a boxer. I would run six miles every morning. Get up, put my shoes on. I don't care if it's raining, snowing, 108 degrees in Texas. I'm running my six miles. Run, not, not walk a single step. One time I was running in a rainstorm so strong that a creek on the country road where I ran was flooded. And it had about six or seven inches of water flowing across the road. Warning, do not ever try to run across a creek that is flowing across a road. I learned my lesson. I was running. I took about two steps in it, and it began to sweep me away in the creek. Moving water, this aside. Point, but moving water is very powerful. So I barely got out of that. But I would run six miles every day. And every step of the way, this is what I would chant to myself. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. I'll never quit. I'm not a quitter. Now, that might sound crazy to you, but it programmed my mind to never quit. So when I got in the ring and I was getting, if I got hit hard, and something in me said, why don't you just lay down and let this thing go? You don't need this. That voice would say, I'm not a quitter. I'll never quit. Now, 
That was coming from a secular point of view, but the same thing applies with the Spirit of God. When Satan comes at you, God said, I will not leave you or forsake you. I'm going to be with you always, but you got to say, I'm not quitting. Because when you quit, when you throw in the, the towel in boxing, you throw in the towel and it's over, Satan will continue. He might back off on you right then, so you'll think, ooh, I'm glad that attack stopped. He will not back off. He will come back at you with reinforcements and more and more and more. So when you make your mind up, you're in this thing, like the Apostle Paul said, to finish the race, to fight the good fight. On, you know, interesting that Paul uses the boxing analogy for all those things. Right. We've got to fight the good fight. We are in a fight. And Dr. Joy and I could spend about three hours here uninterrupted just talking about the stuff that happens to us in the last, well, we just go six months. And we could write us a little book. We're both writers about all of the stuff. It's one challenge after another. And I mean, some of them are gut-wrenching. They're not little things like, oh, I got to get my radiator checked because it's running hot. No, it's, it's emotional, gut-wrenching stuff that like a punch in the gut. It's like a George Foreman gut punch to your emotions because there are little areas in you that are wounded. You probably possibly don't even know you're wounded there because it's become normal to you all these years. You just, that's just how you think. That's how I am. That's just how I respond. No, that's from a wounding that happened to you that the demonic forces still have access to, and they'll come at you, maybe not today or tomorrow, but when you're vulnerable, they'll come at you with a grand slam trying to put you down and what you what our goal is with all of these these podcasts we don't come on here and sugarcoat anything or we're not afraid to say anything because one of the things that comes with age as Dr. Joy and I have on many of you is you don't care anymore what anyone thinks of you 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 lose that um, concern because you know it doesn't matter in the scheme of things. When you're in your 20s, you think, oh, I want to look a certain way. I want to drive something so that people think of me a certain way. <laughs> Put a few decades on and you'll go, ah, who cares what a stranger thinks of me driving down the road? It's, it's all about me and that payment I have to make every month. I don't care if I'm driving a new car. What I do care about is when I have to get my checkbook out every month and painfully write that big payment. So, what people think about us doesn't matter. So we come on here and we tell you the truth because there's nothing in this for us. We don't get paid. We don't ask you to send us money. You can buy the books if you want, and that might put, you know, a half a gallon of gas in our car up per month. It doesn't matter. That's not what we do this for. We do this because we're trying to help you avoid some of the pitfalls. God's called us to do this. He's given us the equipment to do it. He's given us the opportunity, the knowledge. This just comes out of our spirit. There are no notes. None of us, we don't have notes. Uh, occasionally, we'll refer to some, you know, a passage from Dr. Joy's book or, or scripture, but there are no notes in front of us. If you could see us, we're just talking. We, we have a camera in front of us because I like to see her and she likes to see me when we're talking to each other because we affirm each other. It's not like you're just talking to a blank microphone. You literally, we're having this conversation and you guys are get, getting to listen in. But our whole purpose in doing this is to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, just like in a court of law. So we've got a few years under us, and 
We've learned a few things, and we are constantly in the process of waking up even more. Just like I woke up from that concussion I had from that first fight with that dude's, his fist was as big as my foot. Boom, hit me with a right hand. Just like waking up from that concussion, we wake up almost every day to a new revelation, something new that the Lord is showing us. Things you may have known, you may have read in the Bible 40 times, you may have heard in your church all these years. And then God, when you start to wake up, we call it being, I call it being red-pilled from the movie The Matrix. They had a term, you're being red-pilled. When you start to be red-pilled to the things of God, he will start doing downloads to you. Listen, just like on your computer, gets updates, right? Uh, Too many, because every time I turn my computer on, it seems like, oh, time for an update, and it'll shut down everything to do the update. You will get updates from the Lord. When you are red-pilled and you are walking with him and seeking him and your mind is on that stuff all the time, it's not a discipline that you have to make yourself do. It's all you want to do. It's all you want to think about. It's all you want to read, consume. You'll lose all your affection for the things of the world. It just doesn't matter. In the overall scheme of things, all that matters is this God stuff, understanding these vibrational frequencies that Dr. Joy wrote so eloquently in her latest book, Beast Mark, about get that book. If you've not gotten it, please get it and read it. it is, it's a page turner, and it will tell you the things we're talking about are real. They are so real. Adolf Hitler in World War II, he knew more about how that supernatural, uh, demonic world works than most Christians do. He knew that if he was going to win the war, he was going to have to invoke the, the demonic powers, the powers that be. He knew things. One of the things I never knew until recently was Adolf Hitler set out to infiltrate the Masonic Lodge, Because he said they had power. They understood vibrational frequency power. And he wanted to know what their secrets were. So they began to raid. He sent in the Gestapo all over Germany and all over um, Poland and everywhere that he conquered. One of the first things the Gestapo did was go and find the Masonic Lodges and raid them, go in and steal all of the paperwork, everything, because Hitler was convinced they had secret knowledge they had gained from the fallen angels, that they had that technology that he needed to build the jet engine and to build the flying saucers, which he did. Where do you think all of that stuff came from? Didn't come from this world. There's no 400 Einsteins that could come up with that. It came from the other dimension. And Hitler knew enough to know that. We as church people, we're boxing blindfolded with these demons. Dr. Joy, I know you were an authority on these things. I'm going to let you step in on that. Am I right about what Hitler, he understood these things? Yes, he did. He, he very much did. And the thing about it is, is he had a setup that he called Camelot, where they went into these like this little castle thing and they would do remote viewing, which is a very real thing that you get involved with the spiritual realm. 
And our government, I mean, there's classified documents that have been released that show that our government uses that remote viewing capability that Hitler was absolutely doing then. So you you can cross into the spiritual realm. I mean, that's one of the things that I felt like when I wrote the book, Be Smart, that people needed to understand about your third eye that sits in the middle of your forehead, which is your pineal gland. The more that you can understand the vibrational frequencies of that and why Hitler was looking for the right frequency to set the mind in motion to be able to get information from the spiritual realm and utilize that information. And now that we have whistleblowers that are in our military standing before our congressional uh, Congress people and saying that these things are not of human origin and that they have a capability that they will say is interdimensional. Well, people, what interdimensional means is a spiritual world is right here with us. That's interdimensional. That's right here with us. And so, you know, what we don't understand is that our real struggle is the satanic power of temptation that is all around us. And it affects us emotionally and physically. It hinders us as believers because it's being generated by these spiritual powers that Hitler was very quite aware of it. So, you know, the secret battle that you all always fight in any temptation is internal. It is yes. an, always an internal thing. It, he's trying to get into your head. Yep. And the spiritual world can do that with vibration by affecting the, the pineal gland. And I think one of the most interesting things when I was looking at this is when you talk about in Scripture that Paul was warning Timothy that at the end in the latter days that there would come what they call deceiving spirits. And, and in the Greek, that word is absolutely seducing. And what it means from the spiritual realm is to pull people away from the truth. And, you know, as long as you know the truth, nobody can pull it away from you. It's like if you see a UFO, you know it's a UFO, nobody's going to tell you it's not because you have seen it with your own eyes. You are very aware that what you've witnessed is not common. Anything that's out of the ordinary, you've got 20-20 vision, you're not using drugs, you're not drinking, whatever. Whatever you see, somebody could not make you believe different. Seeing is believing. So what Satan tries to do is use these seducing spirits to set up things. But I think that the first real reason and capability of garnering victory during spiritual warfare is that you need to have the right information and the right knowledge. Oh, yeah. In other words, you need to be informed totally about your enemy. And there's where I believe the church has fallen. Oh, yes. And that they're, they're not teaching people, first of all, a lot of churches don't even believe the Holy Spirit is real. And it's the Trinity of God. That's exactly so right. So then you add Satan, who has been with us since day one, and his fallen angels and their demonic uh, reproduction— that lived on the on this earth, you know, through the Cain's lineage, that these demonic entities are very, very real. And they have the ability to possess you. They have the ability to oppress you. And 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 to me, if you're not aware of what's going on and you don't know about your enemy and you don't realize how much power he has, some people say, Oh, don't talk about him, don't give him power. <laughs> you better know your enemy. There is no good general out there who does not use the strategy of trying to find out the secrets on their enemy to be successful against them. I mean, that's how you, I'm sure you did that when you boxed. That's why uh, football players, and um, they have football coaches that go out and look at Scout. other football teams they before scout. they have scouts mm-hmm. before they ever play the game to find out who's the best, what do they do, right. how do they do it, what kind of 
techniques do they use? If you don't know your enemy is a roaring lion walking about looking to just, just devour you and realize that that's a real thing that he can do. And he usually does it in the battlefield of your mind, because even if you look at the battlefield of your mind, what you'll find out is the whenever Satan or his demonic entities come upon you, there's always a spirit of in, infirmity that he brings along with those yep. oppressing things. Right. So I would tell you, you the, the way that you can catch him and start realizing what's happening to you is pay attention how you react to things. If you have an emotional response to yes. something that you think is a little like, why did I respond like that? Why did yes. that upset me? You can bet when you respond to something that was a little bit, either you busted out crying or you got really mad or you mm -hmm. got very hyped up or you felt fear. Because what Satan is wanting to do is to generate these things like yeah. fear, anger and all that. Because at that point, you're giving him a hold on you. Right. But you've got to, he's got to get you to get a hold of those emotions so he can clamp down a little bit harder. So pay attention what things make you angry, fearful, and upset. Because if you will do that, then you will start saying, okay, why am I overreacting in this situation? If I'm overreacting, what's making me overreact? Is it something that happened to me as a child? Is it something that I have had a bad experience with in the past that I have not resolved. And I would tell you, if you can go back and try to find that little bit of that root mm -hmm. that might be making you anger, fearful, mm -hmm. whatever, and sit down and say, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, that's what Jesus kept saying to him, get thee behind me. And then just call out on Jesus to really come right then and remove these emotional things that are pushing you into the this state of fear and anxiety because that's where Satan wants to control you at. And, and you're giving him the right to come in when you start committing what God says you shouldn't fear, you shouldn't have anxiety, you shouldn't have these thoughts. So you're opening yourself up for these spirits in a vibrational manner. They know you're fearful. They know you're scared. They know when you cry. They know when you get upset. They know when somebody makes you mad. They know all of that stuff. So if you can block that, get behind thee and, and not allow it to go there, then you can take those emotions back into control of yourself and try to kind of heal yourself of any kind of thing that's hurt you in the past. Yes. Because if you can learn to do that, then you can be a little bit more successful in fighting these things. It's not easy, Rick. No. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody this is easy. It's something that I struggle with and have struggled with all of my life. Yes. But the more you get the understanding that it's just not bad luck right, or you're right. just, you're, you know, you're cursed or whatever people want to call it. Yeah. It is literally an oppression of your enemy. And he finds the Achilles heel of every individual. What will upset you, Rick will not upset me. So he's That's not right. going to use what he would torment you with to torment me because it won't faze me. Right. Vice versa, he's not going to torment you with something that that you know that bothers me and it doesn't bother you. He right. finds the exact thing that will affect you and somebody else different. Everybody's got yes. their own little things that cause fear, anxiety, emotion, stress, and make you do things like drink or take drugs. I mean, he knows that game. That's what he's all about. 
That's exactly right. To make sure that he creates in you internal conflicts and he finds those roots of bitterness, your strife, fear, unforgiveness, anxiety, panic, whatever he can get. And, Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you find yourself when something bad happens, you go, Oh my gosh, that reminds me of when I was 12 years old and my parents did this. So this That's go right. back and try your root. best to deal with it. Because if you don't, it stays at you. It'll well, just stay at you. And here's something that really helped me, and I think this can help someone listening. You must get to the root cause of a thing. Now, here's what I mean by that. Let's say, well, I'll take myself, for instance. I had a root of rejection. If you can go back and intellectualize, that means intellectually understand where this started, then you can begin to heal from an emotional standpoint. But until you can get there, and what I mean by that, all right, I'm looking at myself. So I have this issue I lived with my whole life of rejection. It's horrible. It crushes me. It's like someone's put a car on top of me, and it's just pressing me down. All right, back to the beginning. I say I was given up. From my now, I'm thinking in an intellectual way. I'm a the child of an unwed 16 year old Catholic schoolgirl. I'm given up at my birth, and I know that as I'm eight years old, that becomes apparent that I was given away. I'm in an environment where I have two alcoholic people, a mother who's an alcoholic who happens to be a mean alcoholic. She's the sweetest person when she's sober. When she drank, she would become like a a West Texas rattlesnake. She would be ready to snap at you. That imprinted me, and I go back and I look at that, and I say, wow, because of the way she spoke to me, made me seek throughout my entire life, hear me now, the approval of a woman. This is a big thing. Because I was rejected by my birth mother and the mother who adopted me, who raised me. She didn't, you know, literally reject me, but she rejected me by criticism. I spent the next 40 years trying to gain the approval of dysfunctional women. (laughs) Listen. It will destroy your life. But I didn't understand that until, you know, not that many years ago. When I look back, I said, good Lord, this is why I made those choices. It was being driven from that. Now, let me take another example. This, this could be you. Someone who's listening to this is a victim of uh, sexual abuse as a, as a young child. All right? Someone listening. If you can go back and... Look at the situation and say, that is what messed me up, and here is why it messed me up. And look at it from a purely practical standpoint. Number one, Bible says we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against spiritual palities, principalities and powers. Look at the perpetrator who did it and say there were demons behind him doing that. As much as you may hate him or all of that stuff, or hopefully you've forgiven him, Understand, demons were doing that to you through him. They were using him, whoever the abuser was, to do that. You understand, when that happened to me, let's say you were eight years old. I was eight years old, and this person whom I trusted did something to me. I didn't understand what he was doing, but something about it didn't seem right to me. And then I felt embarrassed and bad afterwards. Then he kept doing that. 
that caused me to be messed up and caused me to choose poorly because I was trying to compensate because of how badly I felt about myself that I wanted to prove. Now, this is just hypothetical. It could These could be the actual facts, but they may not be. But I was trying to prove to the world that I was a good person. I was trying to win the affection of a man because I felt like I was just used by this man, and he just abused me. So I wanted to prove my worth, but I could never find that proof because there was never enough love from the, you can't get enough because there's a hole in you. It's a broken part. Now, when you go back and you self-analyze, this is what Dr. Joy knows. This is what a, a therapist will do with you, and I'm giving you a layperson's abbreviated version of this, but this is what they would do. They would deconstruct what literally happened to you and get you to look at it more objectively than subjectively, meaning you're you're looking at it from afar off. Well, this is what happened, and this is why I acted out the way I did, because it's going to involve acting out. You're going to act out in your life based on the traumas inflicted upon you, the damage done to you, to your spirit when you were younger. Things maybe that you did or didn't do or that were done or not done to you and for your good, for your well-being. When you can deconstruct those things and look at them more objectively, that means taking yourself out of being the little girl who was who that was happening to and say, well, this is what messed me up and this is how it messed me up. It's more importantly not to know that you'll understand that's what happened to you, but you have to understand what it did to you what it did to mess you up. And when you can start to do that, you're on the right trail. You're on the right path toward the restoration and the healing. As Dr. Joy said, it's not an overnight. It's not instant. But the beginning of it is recognizing this is what I'm dealing with. If you don't know what you're dealing with, you're never going to be able to deal with it. If you don't know what you're dealing with, you can't deal with it because you are boxing blindfolded with demons. And I'm going to hand it over to Dr. Joy where the time goes so fast when we're doing these things that it just flies by. I do want to give a shout out to one of our listeners who is, uh, we love it when you guys reach out to us. Our contact information is on the website, both Dr. Joy's and mine, heavenlywarriors.com, and she's Dr. Joy, J-O-Y-E.com. Uh, one of our listeners, Cheryl Ann, reached out and uh, sent a really nice note about how she enjoys the shows, and we appreciate that you do that. So I wanted to give a shout-out to Cheryl Ann. Keep listening, and I hope these things bless you. Dr. Joy? Well, I'd like to leave us with a thought that, you know, in Luke ten nineteen, Christ said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That is a scripture to always hang on to. If you will just keep calling on the name of Jesus, he has power over all these things that are affecting us on a daily basis. But take time, if you have time, to know your enemy and to understand how he is affecting you, your family members, those you love, your co-workers, and everybody around you. We are living in a world that's fallen, and the intent is to take your soul. Don't let Satan do that. 
You are listening to Heavenly Warriors, the podcast for anyone who wants to learn the deeper, supernatural truths not taught in most mainstream churches. Your hosts are best-selling author and guests on shows like The History Channel and Coast to Coast AM, Dr. Joy Jeffries Pugh, and me, a former atheist cop turned exorcist and author. This podcast is brought to you by my newest book, Boxing Blindfolded with Demons, which can be found at rickbellwriting.com, R-I-C-K-B-E-L-L-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com, and by Dr. Joy Jeffrey Pugh's newest book, Beastmark, which you can find at drjoy.com, that's D-R-J-O-Y-E.com. Whether you believe in the devil and demons or not doesn't matter to them. In fact, demons prefer you don't believe, so you'll never know what's hitting you when they attack. The truth is, we have invisible enemies who want to rob us, attack our families with sickness and addictions, and cause us to struggle financially. We want to help you become a stronger and smarter heavenly warrior.